Hi, writers. I'm glad you're here for this episode on writing fiction. This is Jim Thayer. I'd like to talk today about writing in the first person. First person novels include Huckleberry Finn, The Great Gatsby, Jane Eyre, The Color Purple, The Kite Runner, and many, many others. First-person novels are fun to read, and they're fun to write. A first-person novel is, is where the main character speaks to the reader using the words I, me, and mine. Uh, examples are the immortal first line from The Postman Always Rings Twice by James M. Cain. They threw me off the hay truck about noon. Another example is one of the loveliest first sentences I've ever come across from David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. Whether I shall turn out to be the hero of my own life or whether that station will be held by anybody else, these pages must show. To begin my life with the beginning of my life. Isn't that lovely? Uh, Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, the first line, you immediately know it's a first-person novel. It's this, you don't know about me without you having read a book by the name of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, but that ain't no matter. Here's the first lines of The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. First the colors, then the humans. That's usually how I see things, or at least how I try. Uh, the characters in these novels are using the words and phrases, I, my own life, my life, you don't know about me, how I try. The character is speaking to the reader as if the reader and the character are in the same room chatting. That's the first person. The second person is rarely used, such as you tried to climb the ladder. And many novels are written in the third person. He tried to climb the ladder. There is a widespread belief about the first, second, and third persons that they are a concept called point of view. That's mistaken. The concept of first, second, and third person is called the grammatical person. The point of view is something else, a different concept. We're talking here about the grammatical person. Why do readers like novels written in the first person? I think the main reason is that the reader instantly has a buddy, the narrator, who speaks to the reader as if speaking to a friend who sits with the reader and chats with the reader. The character is confiding, and few things endear a person to another as a willingness to confide. The character trusts the reader. A second advantage of writing in the first person is that for many writers it's easier than writing in the third person because in a first-person novel the character is speaking and his words uh, that he speaks to the reader should sound like a person in real life uh, speaking to some extent. Uh, maybe not as casual as in a real conversation, but certainly more casual than the language found in many third-person novels. Uh, a first-person novel is essentially written as dialogue, the character speaking. Dialogue isn't as crafted as the author's narrative in a third-person novel. Uh, 
The main disadvantage of writing in the first person is that the reader must stay where the main character is and can see and hear only what the main character sees and hears. Uh, The story can't zip off to somewhere the character isn't to learn things. The main character's knowledge is likely limited, and so is the reader's. But I've never found this a, a problem when writing in the first person. You can work around it. Here are some ideas for when we are writing in the first person. First, the writer can create a distinctive voice. Uh, the story's narrator can use certain words and phrases and can set a certain tone that reflects her personality. Uh, for example, in The Fight Club by Chuck Paluniak is, Tyler gets me a job as a waiter. After that, Tyler's pushing a gun in my mouth and saying, the first step to eternal life is you have to die. Uh, the voice in the novel, The Fight Club, is is cynical and disillusioned, it's, and it's evident in the, the first pages of the novel. The writer has created a distinctive voice. Another example is, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. The, f- the first lines are, When he was nearly 13, my brother Jim got his arm badly broken at the elbow. When it healed, and Jim's fears of never being able to play football were assuaged, he was seldom self-conscious about his injury. His left arm was somewhat shorter than his right when he stood or walked, The back of his hand was at right angles to his body, his thumb parallel to his thigh. He couldn't have cared less so long as he could pass and punt. We see from the narrator's own words, scouts, that she is highly observant and may have a small horizon and admires her brother. Her talk with the reader is is frank and it's plain and it's charming. It's a distinctive voice. Here's from Huckleberry Finn. Uh, Listen to the distinctive voice. Then I climbed up in the dark and scratched around amongst the old tools and got hurt a little bit, but I didn't mind it. Well, I tumbled to the ground, and if I didn't make a racket, I ain't the one to say it wasn't loud. That's a distinctive voice. Huckleberry Finn voice, created by Mark Twain. Uh, Here's uh, a couple of sentences from Stephen Chbosky's The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And the distinctive voice here is one of isolation and awkwardness. This is the narrator, Charlie. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to be left alone, to suffer privately. I was used to it, after all. I'd spent most of my life alone, or at least feeling like an outsider, even in the midst of a crowd. I had no friends, really, but I was so accustomed to that state of affairs that I didn't feel lonely. It was simply my lot in life. That's a distinctive voice. A a distinctive voice is fun to write, and if it's done well, readers are attracted to it. Uh, But it can be work for an author to maintain it. Uh, You, yourself, without trying, may have a distinctive voice that is perfect for your story. You may not need to create a distinctive voice. But if you do create one uh, for your character that's distinctive from your own voice, you'll probably have fun doing it. Here's a second technique, a, a second suggestion. We shouldn't be too wordy. 
Many writers find writing in the first person to be easier than in the third person, and and so words spill out. Uh, Nothing in a novel should be wasted, and that includes words. Here's a trick. If you suspect a page you've written is too wordy, read it out loud to yourself. Hearing it might give you a clue. Uh, this is too long or too wordy, or it, or it might convince you uh, that it's just right. It's tight, just right for your novel. But be aware that writing in the first person can lead us to being too wordy. Here's a third technique. Even though the protagonist is speaking to the reader, and it can s- sound more like conversation than found in a third-person novel, The writing should still be crafted. It should sound something like real-life talk, but it shouldn't be real-life talk. The novelist David Morell notes, Unfortunately, a transcript of even the best oral storytelling proves that what sounds effective in casual, across-the-table setting is wordy and ill-focused on the page. That's David Morell. A fourth technique... Uh, Your first-person narrator should be more observant than ordinary people are. He should comment on sounds and smells and tastes. In real life, you and I may go a whole day without a scent registering on us. Or there may may be sounds we just aren't paying attention to. Our character, though, is working to put the reader right in the setting, and so should comment about sights and smells and sounds and tastes and how things feel. A first-person narrator's senses should probably be more acute than yours and mine. So as the writer, we shouldn't forget all the senses. Here's a fifth uh, technique. Have the first-person narrator confide to the reader. Uh, Maybe the narrator tells the reader things he'd never tell other characters in the novel. He'll make a, the narrator will make a a direct connection between the character and the reader. The reader will think, this, this person, the story's character, needs a friend and I'm here. Confiding creates a bond between the character and the reader. And readers love that aspect of a first person novel. Here's a sixth thought. Uh, Remember that our character isn't us. Uh, We, the writer, should create a a big, interesting, and engaging character, not a real-life character. Uh, Because the story is in the first person with the writer speaking to the reader, it's easy to fall back on a default character, uh, which is the writer. It's usually a mistake. The character we create should likely be more compelling than we are. Here's number seven. Don't forget to show rather than to tell. Because you, the writer, are always inside the character's mind in a first-person novel, it's easy to slip into telling. So we write, I wasn't feeling well, which is telling, instead of, I sneezed, then reached for a handkerchief, which is showing. Uh, It's showing she isn't feeling well. Instead of writing, I wondered about where she got the necklace, which is telling, have your character say, Julie, where'd you get that necklace, which is showing. 
In a first-person novel, instead of writing, my arm itched, write, I scratched my arm. Number eight, don't have much interior monologue. Because the writer is using the first person and is always inside the character's mind, it's easy to have the character think, which is also known as interior monologue, as you know. Uh, The same cautions about interior monologue that I mentioned in other contexts apply to first-person novels, especially to first-person novels, because it's so easy for the author to slip into interior monologue. A character thinking is the least interesting aspect of a novel, and indeed, it's hard to make interesting. Uh, When writing in the first person, we should have our character do things, have him act, have him talk, have him meet new people and enter new settings and, and do things and be challenged rather than thinking. Here's the ninth thought. The first person character should be honest with the reader. Uh, That is, the character shouldn't deliberately hide things from his pal and confidant, the reader. Uh, The reader should know what the character knows. Uh, This doesn't mean that the character and reader know everything, of course. They'll discover things as the story progresses. But having a first-person narrator deliberately hide things from a reader seems cheating. Maybe some authors can pull it off, but it'd be difficult and Uh, we should consider avoiding it. Those are my thoughts on writing in the first person. I just love first-person novels, and uh, they're fun to write, too. If you're finding these podcasts useful, please consider supporting the effort by clicking on the Support the Show link below. Uh, It'll take you to a Patreon site. Uh, Many thanks from me. Let's take a quick break. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Let's talk about using modifiers, and that is using modifiers sparingly. Stephen King says, quote, adverbs are not your friend. His advice applies to adjectives, too. You know about adverbs. They often end in L-Y, carefully, cautiously, slowly, coldly, angrily, abruptly, earnestly. There's a million of them. Statistician Ben Blatt analyzed all of Hemingway's novels and found he used only 80 L-Y adverbs per 10,000 words. That's fewer than almost any other writer. And the only exception that Blatt found is Toni Morrison. She uses 76 L-Y adverbs per 10,000 words. Uh, Blatt concludes, The best books, the greats of the greats, 
do use a lower rate of LY adverbs. Uh, he says that data proves that the fewer the adverbs, the better the writing. Ben Blatt used technology to analyze writing patterns. In his book, Nabokov's favorite word is mauve. He talks about how he loaded millions of words into computers for counting. He, he concludes that the best authors don't use many L-Y adverbs. Uh, Blatt put Stephen King's novels to the test by analyzing 51 of King's novels. Uh, he used the Natural Language Toolkit. Blatt checked the number of adverbs. Sure enough, King uses far fewer adverbs than most writers. Ernest Hemingway used 80 L-Y adverbs per 10,000 words. Mark Twain, 81. Amy Tan, 83. John Steinbeck, 93. Stephen King, 105. Charles Dickens, 108. Jane Austen, 128. J.K. Rowling, 140. Uh, want to see if we, in our manuscript, have used too many adjectives? Many adjectives end in L-Y. So with your manuscript on the screen, bring up the search function, that's pressing Control and F at the same time, and in the pop-up box, type L-Y followed by a space. It'll find adjectives such as costly, deadly, friendly, kindly, likely, lively, manly, timely, crinkly, comely, cuddly, and curly. Maybe we don't need some of them. Typically, reducing modifiers, adjectives, and adverbs will make our sentences stronger. And here's something funny. One of Elmore Leonard's rules in his famous Ten Rules of Writing is to never open a novel talking about the weather. Ben Blatt, the statistician, looked at many best-selling authors and how they open their novels, the first lines. In Daniel Steele's 96 novels, she opens a story with the weather 46% of the time. John Steinbeck, 26%. Willa Cather opened her novels with weather 21% of the time. Stephen King, 17%. Janet Ivanovich and Charles Dickens tied at 10%. Agatha Christie, in her 66 novels, begins with the weather 5% of the time. Elmore Leonard and John Grisham, 4%. Ernest Hemingway, Toni Morrison, and Kurt Vonnegut, 0%. Maybe the most famous weather opening for a novel is Edward Bulwer-Lytton's 1830 novel titled Paul Clifford, which begins with the immortal It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. These episodes are about words, of course, but I'd like to talk about three words in particular. And those words are literally, hopefully, and unique. These three words are used wrongly most of the time. Literal means in the strict meaning of the word. So, my cat is literally gray is correct, but I literally had a heart attack when I heard the news is not. Same with, I literally laughed until I was sick. 
we writers often stick literally into a sentence, writing and particularly speaking, to give us a second to think about the rest of the sentence. I was so happy, I literally was on the moon. You might use control F for a search of your manuscript and look at the word literally. Hopefully is another one. Hopefully is an adverb, and it means in a hopeful manner, of course. Hopefully the weather will be nice tomorrow means that the weather is hoping, when the writer means she hopes the weather will be nice tomorrow. She hopes, not the weather hoping. And hopefully you will have a good time is confusing because the speaker or the writer probably means I hope you will have a good time instead of you hope you will have a good time. Hopefully is used wrongfully more times than it is used correctly. Our third word, unique. Unique means one of a kind. So something can't be very unique. And sometimes people say, that's the most unique cat I've seen. Both of these uses of unique is wrong, are wrong. And unique is wrong if it's used to describe something that isn't unique. That's a unique cat. There's a hundred billion cats in the world. I doubt any one of them is unique. I might be wrong. I've had 10 cats in my life, including my current one, Jack. They all figured me out quickly and manipulated me in the same way with little unique about it. We should consider searching our manuscripts for literally, hopefully, and unique. We might find that we've used the words wrongly. Hopefully, this discussion has been literally unique. Here are the six funniest books I've ever read. Writing laugh-out-loud humor is a rare skill. I don't come across it often in my reading. But here are books that made me laugh novels. The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, age 13 and three quarters, by Sue Townsend. I just laughed all the way through it. Another uh, funny novel is by Gene Shepard, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories. And another of his uh, books, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole, Norwood by Charles Portis, Portis also wrote True Grit, uh, Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe by Fanny Flegg. Uh, humor is subjective. Some, no some novels with a reputation for being funny didn't make me laugh. Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Catch-22, three men in a boat. But these are famously f funny. They just weren't for me. If you know of a funny novel, please let me know in an email. I'm always looking for them. My email address is jimthairseattle at gmail.com. What's the opposite of humor? Life in the 14th Century. Right now I'm reading Barbara Tuckman's Pulitzer Prize-winning history, A Distant Mirror, about life in the 1300s where people had to deal with the plague called the Black Death. 
and the Hundred Year War, the papal schism, and base ignorance in most everything that would keep you alive. Uh, Tuckman suggests that the 14th century was the worst time ever in human history to be alive, and she's convincing. I'm lucky to be alive now, not then. Uh, you may feel the same way too. After wandering around a bit, we've come to the end of this episode. I'm glad you were here for it. This is Jim Thayer. Until next time, please keep tapping those keys. <laughs>